Open wide and tuck in to Spooning with Mark Wogan, the brand new visualized podcast where Mark takes you on a unique culinary journey, blindfolded. With a dollop of lighthearted chat, a spoonful of hilarious blindfolded food tasting, and a sprinkle of top tier guests like Jimmy Carr, Claudia Winkleman, and Joe Wicks. In partnership with Gressingham Duck, download their free recipe booklet for tips to dine in with Duck. Check out delicious new episodes of Spooning with Mark Wogan every Thursday. This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is sponsored by BT, because BT means business. BT knows that businesses come in many shapes, sizes and guises, from the person just starting out at their kitchen table to the biggest employer, which is why no matter what line of work you're in, they've got your back to help you succeed and do what you do best. No doubt connectivity is a must in Westminster, and it certainly helped us to get this episode created and distributed to you listening right now. BT already connects more than 1 million businesses and public sector organisations, offering secure and reliable connectivity. Nearly three quarters of people running a business or side hustle feel they couldn't do so without reliable broadband and mobile connectivity. That's why having connectivity you can count on is a must for business, whether it be facilitating multiple devices being connected at once or making team calls or guest Wi-Fi access for customers. BT's connectivity helps keep you and your customers happy. Whatever your business, BT's got your back. Search BT's got your back. Hello and welcome to the Red Box Politics Podcast on The Times. I'm Matt Shirley. This is part three in our four-part series on politics and comedy. In this episode, I talk to comedian Al Murray about his alter ego, the pub landlord, about the politics of Brexit, a lack of courage in TV comedy, Britain's obsession with the Second World War, and what it was like standing against Nigel Farage for election in South Thanet. We sat down to talk in a corridor in Parliament overlooking Portcullis House moments after we'd watched Theresa May and Jeremy Corbyn clash at PMQs on education spending. It was a rare specimen you saw, because it was Jeremy Corbyn not doing too badly. Well, he, was, he, got, off to, he got off to a good start, didn't he? And, and, and he followed up his first question and uh, clearly had the clearly had, may seem muted and then she did she went personal on him she, and the front bench the Labour front bench which I thought was quite interesting because that's supposedly not her style but yeah I mean he, he obviously the thing is the things he really cares about he can engage with and, and, and then end up in Dalek fury like he did at the end of it yeah you know, about he really obviously really cares about schools and school funding that kind of that's kind of what he can do it Obviously, last week when the government <laughs> sort of uh, completely hung itself out to dry, he couldn't make anything of it. And it's very, it's, um, it's sort of weird. It's weird anti-ability. Yeah. And there was no, I don't, I don't think there were any what we would call jokes. No, there, were no, there was no zinging. No. There was nothing zinging. And I mean, I've, I, maybe May's people have decided that it ain't worth it because she's really bad at jokes she's terrible at them and, and reads them in a this is a joke style here comes or, or, a joke yeah here yeah, comes yeah. a joke and he's you know I mean it, it, she's bad at it and I think if you're bad at something you're best off not doing it under you I think that's what you're right. I think that's what you're right. now as we were coming out of the press gallery where we were watching PMQs several people immediately asked you are you going to stand again in South Bank so when uh, 2015 you stood yes. in character as the pub landlord yes the pub landlord yes. in South Thanet for the Free United Kingdom Party FUKP yeah. with a manifesto drawn up on the back of a fag packet absolutely yeah although the thing about that is we did that and then they did the Edstone the next day and they looked so similar to each other 
It's essentially the same thing. <laughs> the pledges were basically identical. Makes one of our pledges was make stuff that people want to buy, which I think is roughly the same as encourage business or whatever was on the headstone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, what was your experience of uh, having looked from the outside in? What well, was it like I, being I'm on the inside of the? Well, the, the interesting thing. Well, the thing that, that my takeaway from it was I came away quite sort of sympathetic with politicians because they don't, they don't have to do it, and the uh, you know and obviously there are the ones who are venal and there are the ones who are lunatic egotists and there are the you know who who the one thing they want is a statue, right more than anything else, and then there are the you know, the ones who are sincere and genuine and who are trying to incrementally change the world or revolutionarily change the world you know, and and when we did the. When we did the day where I was supposed to skydive and I, and I was too fat. <laughs> so you were going to sc- you were going to literally parachute, parachute into the constituency. Yeah, yeah. yeah, no, that's a that's a joke that's up on its feet. Let's yeah. do that. And then I was too heavy, um, mainly because my I was foiled by the scales at my kids' scales at home. Told me, <laughs> told me <laughs> they I told was, you it was all yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I get to the airfield, and she's going one last thing before you before you get out your credit card we need you to, to stand on the scales and that was that game over but anyway that afternoon we, or later in the day we went and did a big big press conference and the fascinating thing about that was I mean it's mainly Michael Crick how desperate he was to, to catch me out and you kind of think me I'm this is a you know this is not a big gag you know yeah, yeah. he's going he's not really a pub man and he went to Oxford he's going mate really how's that how's that help yeah and uh, you know we'd written a proper joke manifesto like adding an extra 20p to the pounds it'd be worth one pound 20p stuff like that yeah and and it would and it, we were sort of assailed for it and that i came away from that thinking it's it's not much fun being a politician so you've either got to really believe in the you know the efficacy of politics itself or that there's something you can you can do you can bring to it because it's existence and everyone hates you that's the thing i, I thought was really interesting is you know they don't have to do it they're not that compared to executive pay or whatever equivalent. They're not very well paid, and everyone hates them. And did you start? <laughs> was there ever a point where you worried that people would start hating you? That the well, sort the of thing, popular well, comedy character going into politics. Well, a little bit, and you, but then you sort of think, well, it looks like the right people hate me, so I'm all right with that. You know, the, the, when 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 someone whose timeline is all about halal, this, that, and the other is saying that they, they don't think you're funny and that they hate you for what you're doing you think good you know I'm taking that as a, I'll take that square on as a compliment if you don't like me so I mean maybe that's how politicians uh, piece their way through all the loathing you know, if the right people don't like you you must be doing something right but um, yeah I did, I, you, you know you also because you, we brought it out the, the, the character works in its sort of, um, you know, the theatre is a very controlled environment. It's a, an agreed environment, a ritualised one. Everyone knows what the score is. You bring it out into the real world, and it, and it kind of changes it all quite, quite radically. And that was, that was, you think, am I jumping the shark here? Basically, so I don't see. It doesn't seem to have affected anything, though. Just let's rewind up at the beginning. Yeah. How? Talk me through <laughs> where the pub landlord came from. Well, the pub landlord came about in Edinburgh in 1990. I think I was doing a show in Edinburgh with Harry Hill. It was called Pub International, and we had a we were playing in the cabaret bar at the Pleasance. Edinburgh people, people who've been to the festival in Fringe will know, probably know that place. And we had a 
I'd come up with another act that hadn't worked to compare the whole show, thread the whole show together. So that hey, Craig, how are you? You can't keep <laughs> the <laughs> devil. You didn't get elected. Uh, that was Craig McKinley, who won in South Dunwich. Uh, <laughs> Where um, you stood. Let's rewind back to yeah, so, 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 the yeah, night. So I'm at this sh- basically the opening night of this thing, and I said to Harry here, "Well, why don't we say that the compare hasn't turned up, and the barman here has offered to fill in?" And he was like, "Yeah, all right, whatever." So I wrote some jokes in the quarter of an hour I had as a barman, as the barman, yeah. as a barman. Went on and did it. It got laughs, you know. And comedy's like that. If you get laughs, you think, "Well, I'll do a bit more of that." Yeah. And, I, and Harry was on for like half an hour, forty minutes. While he was doing that, I wrote a load more so I could come on and do the next thing. And then we did two, three weeks in Edinburgh, and then went on a big tour, like a 70 day tour. And by the end of it, I had an act just appear out of nowhere. Um, and the weird thing is, you know, it was designed to get me through the next, get me through the next hour, and I'm still doing it 23 years later or something. So, um, and the reason it works is because it's a point of view, it's an attitude as much as anything else. So you can feed a subject into it sort of turn the handle and, the, and it comes out the other end you know how much has it changed because it, it, you're obviously sending up a point of view yeah that you didn't agree with yeah but then there's always the risk that as the character yeah. became more popular it was a yeah it was an opinion that people who watched yeah, yeah. it then did agree with yeah well that's a, that's a risk you run with anything yeah. you know and, and it isn't an argument against doing it yeah. either um, yeah I mean, the, although, I mean the thing that's really changed um, is when I started doing it, being a basically obsessed that Brussels was kind of teleporting milk out of babies' mouths or whatever, or whatever sort of hallucinatory view of Europe was in, on the fringe. Um, politically, I think it was there anyway, but it was not respectable politics, and now it's, it's true. Suddenly, my act is truth to power. It's absolutely <laughs> right in the uh, centre, and, yeah. and these sort of the almost simultaneous rise of Nigel Farage yeah basically with the same shtick pint in hand I know it's extraordinary I mean that, and that's why I the thing is that's how I ended up running Insanity um, in 2015 because the year before I'd done a show I got wind of the fact that Russell Brown was going to do some stuff about politics and I thought this is really I basically thought this is hilarious that, that he's going to do that apparently with a straight face right Right, okay, what's that going to be like? So I thought, well, the, let's have the pub, and then we'll do that. So the show, I, the show I was doing before I ran for Parliament was all about politics. It was about, you know, it's time for a... You know, if the country needs one thing right now, it's a, it's a bloke waving a pipe around offering common-sense solutions, you know. I.e. me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was because of... It, it was because of Russell, really, and then, and then running for Parliament was because of him saying, don't vote. And then Russell... A direct reaction to that. And, you know, he's got a much bigger profile than me, so it was... It's kind of a flea on an elephant uh, attempt at po- tilting at that idea. But, you know, people, I was basically disgusted by that. Well, he then did that weird video with Ed Miliband, yeah. which I'm not sure either of them emerged from. No, no one emerged, well. emerged gloriously from that. I mean, you, Miliband went to his flat. You think, you, mate, you got that the wrong way around. Although, weirdly, looking back at that now, that seems like a sort of simpler time when the biggest yes. story in the country was Ed Miliband going to Russell Brown's house. Yes, yeah, it, 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 yes, Russell Brown's back in labour and the, the, why the tourists should be worried I mean it, it just it does seem like a like a simpler time and a sort of straight fight yeah whereas now the, you know there's so many different currents running in so many directions and what did you make of Nigel Farage up close when you were basically basically <laughs> built a career on uh, well, taking think, the mickey you know, out you I think I met him 
once a long time ago because so, I had a used to wear a pound badge and I'm pretty sure it was him who gave me that about 20 years ago I'm not, I'm not sure though and I thought he was just a bloke like laughing along who got the joke <laughs> <laughs> I mean maybe he does get the joke you know and this, this is the thing just because you know he might be laughing at him you never know he might be laughing at himself when he sees the act but I don't know I mean I, I've only encountered him on the night of the count I right. only met him twice that was pretty odd largely oh, because <laughs> so I've been up all night waiting for the results because right, we got delayed and delayed and delayed yeah. and then uh, and a friend of mine was producing the BBC news coverage which conspiracy theorists were really great in doing so she texted me and go oh, it's not happening till you know it's not happening until 9 and then we get getting on it's not happening until 11 you know the ongoing thing but I met him at the count on the counting floor you know when they give you the, the returning officer gives you the result and he said to me have you won? And I said, well, that depends what you mean, we mean by win, Nigel. And he said, yes, I suppose you're right. And that was it. That was it. That was it. His reaction to me running was interesting because it started off quite good-humoured and then it got more and more kind of crabby, and, yeah. um, which was struck me as strange, really, because surely the thing is, like, just laugh it off. But I suppose if, essentially, UKIP was the cult of Nigel Farage and he was a celebrity party leader to some extent, Anything which yes. moves, you know, we've seen with, with people in, within UKIP, anybody yeah. who takes the, yeah, the, the spotlight away yeah, from him, he he's not like happy about it. Yeah. Well, I mean, what was interesting is, yeah, because when I first ran, he said at last in serious competition, you think, oh, great, okay, you know. Yeah. And then, you know, four weeks later, he's on Mar going, he's a public school left, you know, lefty liberal BBC, metropolitan, you know, like, God, could, 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 I mean, I would, I would really look forward to today when someone comes up with a different description for that point of view. Yeah. I mean, it would, it would, it would be a marvellous thing when, when, a different someone comes up with a new angle on that uh, my, what my possible point of view might be but um, yeah I think you're right I think he it, it might be that and, and on the night at the count what was very interesting was the Labour the Labour lot they were very friendly but they were despondent because you know they'd, they'd lost the election and, and they'd lost locally and they felt they'd been as far as I could work out they felt they'd been kind of left left to it by central office kind of abandoned to the Tory UKIP uh, battle the Tories were cock-a-hoops they'd won and you know weren't certain they would and the UKIP lot were, you know these banqueting tables at the Winter Gardens they were around the table it was like a scene from Downfall you know they were all <laughs> heads in their hands you know because he was going to quit Yeah. and if it is a one man band you know if the guy says he's going to quit then what's the point you know? and to be fair he did for about three yeah, days no, I know it's very day. very commendable <laughs> And now, and now he's, you know, Donald Trump's best mate. It's very odd, uh, sort of, um, well, no, no, do with me, chaps, the, the, the actual leave outcome. Yeah. It's very peculiar. And from your point, from sort of professional point of view, what yeah. was a better outcome to the referendum? Oh, uh, the, the, the one we've got by, the, the, by yeah. a million miles. Because, although if, you know, I think if, if, if Remain had won, there'd be a lot of, like, there'd be a lot of frothing about how it was a fix there'd be endless conspiracy theories about, you know, the, the BBC and, you know, I mean, even more than there are. Yeah. You know, I think you'd have... You'd, and there'd be a lot of demands for another another go. I don't think it would have solved anything in the Tory party. Because yeah. obviously what it's done is, is it, the Tories have now gone, oh, well, that's the way the wind's blowing. Yeah. And so what do you, what's the... But what's professionally, yeah, it's a better outcome. I'd written a show in June, you know, in expectation 
because I'm a liberal, liberal London lefty, Metropolitan Elite, BBC, Zio, Lib Lab, Zio, Con, EU, SSR, Stooge, you know, I'd written a show expecting a Remain result and had to chuck it out in June, but actually it's better. The thing for the character, it's much better because also that there is that question of what do you, what do you want now? <laughs> now? You know, be careful what you wish for. You've got what you want. What next? And what's the reaction to that when you're doing the show? How <laughs> and does it change in different parts of the country? Well, not particularly. I mean, I, I, some, I mean, you know, all I've really got is online feedback. And the really funny thing is someone going, oh, there you go. Off he goes to Portsmouth to take the piss out of the people who voted leave, laughing that, you know, exploit them and take the piss out of them. So, I mean, people have some funny ideas about why people buy tickets to comedy shows. And you think, if there are only like 400 people in Portsmouth, I might have a problem, you know. There might be an issue filling the theatre, but there aren't. You know, there are 150,000, I don't know how many, yeah. tens of thousands of people live there. I'm kind of not worried about that. And the Grimsby is the only person we've had, only person we've had someone walk out. I didn't come here to be told I was a racist. Someone gets up and walks out. In fact, it's never, I never say that. <laughs> I have seen your show. And it, is, <laughs> it doesn't take much to move between the lines. But actually, one, one, the, the thing that I, because I, I saw it at Royal Albert Hall, and the thing that, the bit that really sticks on my mind is when you talk about immigration. Yeah. And it starts off, like, you won't mind me saying this, but it starts off, it sounds like a lazy dig on immigration. Yeah. And actually it turns into an extraordinary feat of memory, if nothing else. <laughs> uh, and I, won't, I don't want to ruin it, but you sort of I go through the history, yeah, yeah. the history of immigration into the UK. And that draws on maybe maybe the fact that you went to Oxford and you yeah. were a historian and yeah yeah well, it does like. yeah because because I knew Labour were, were certainly no scholars of history you know the, the, you know it, the, 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 the idea that Blair went into Iraq without knowing that we'd done exactly the same thing in 1919 turned up and went we're here to save you all don't panic we bring liberty we bring peace and then off again sharpish when yeah. it didn't work out that, that, that he didn't know that I think New Labour were emblematic of, but then they'd had to abandon history in lots of ways to, to rebadge themselves. It, it's very shallow historic memory in all our public discourse now, and I think it's a real shame. I think it's, a, I, think it's a, I mean, it, it, I actually think it's ghastly. And I think the way the war is now presented as this, the way people talk about Europe is like they're our enemies. And, yeah. uh, 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 and no, they're, no, they're not. They're our closest trading partners and allies. What are you on about? Yeah. Why are you? Why are we having to reference everything through the Second World War? But you're, um, you're uh, war obsessive, is that? Uh, no, is I'm, obsessive uh, too. I know. Uh, I think fan of the Second World War. <laughs> fan, <laughs> fan no, of the no, no. no, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm utterly fascinated by it. Although I ha- it's something I've tried to sort of park <laughs> several times, and then I had to write a book about why I was interested in it, and it just got me going again. I'm fascinated because it's the it's the the most extraordinary event in our history because. You can draw so much from it. We, we've we cast all of our politics in its way. The, the good stuff and the bad, all of it, the good stuff and the bad stuff. And if you talk to French people or Germans about the war, they're, you know, or Russians, their attitude to the Second World War is very, very, very different. You know, the, I mean, it's not even the Second World War in Russia, yeah. but that, that maybe is because they lost the first one. So. <laughs> exactly, we'll skip that. So, yeah, I mean, I... I, I, I'm dismayed a lot by how it's presented and its influence and people that they don't know about it. And, and the interesting thing is, you know, there was that decline. If you look at the historiography of the Second World War, there was this declinist view that, you know, Britain 
which came from a lot of modernist Tories who were trying to who were trying to sort of in a reactionary way shake up the state and say you know we weren't and also overthrow the idea of uh, the Labour idea that state planning would work you know because the, and they borrowed you know it's Corelli Barnett would borrow down into he's a Tory historian would borrow down into you know what it cost in man hours to make a Spitfire versus a Messerschmitt 109 and, you, and he'd say see you know a nationally planned economy was inefficient and crap and you've got all that going on as well in Tory thinking which I think is really interesting and those things have been sort of regurgitated and come out the other end in in all sorts of weird distorted ways whereas if you go to Germany they know exactly what the Red Army turning up and killing everyone and and get their hands on and raping all your women was like in a way that we're completely because it sort of in a weird way, the war didn't happen here. It was it was one step removed. Yeah, 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 yeah. and even more so in America, which is how you have Americans ending up thinking that Roosevelt was a communist who, you know, encouraged the Japanese and gave Europe to the Russians, you know, or whatever. Yeah, because they were removed from it. Yeah, so we got a little off topic there, but, but I'm, I'm fascinated yeah, by yeah. the way it, it casts such an enormous shadow, and and also that sits in the memories that, that unless you're sort of a Stalinist. You, not of the left you've got to you've got to kind of agree it's the one good thing we ever did defeating Nazism yeah even even no matter how ardently left you are I think you can't really go with well it was the inevitable capitalist war the the fascism and imperialism and all that I don't think you can quite get there because Nazism was Nazism was sort of imperialism on steroids for want of a better way of putting it I wanted to ask you about sort of patriotism and nationalism and jingoism and that all that, a lot of that stems from, you know, it is Spitfires and yeah, and waving the flag and all of that. And actually, part of your act it sort of t- taps into that and it, yeah. you know, explores all that. And I, I mean, maybe maybe explain where you think it comes from, but how important do you think that is? Well, I think it, it, the thing is, is it ebbs and flows, and it's it, I think it's in, it's incredibly important. These are all um, grey shaded into each other, jingoes and patches and nationalism. That you know, they're all. They're all variants of, yeah. uh, uh, of or strengths of a different uh, of the you know this tincture. I'm fascinated by it because I don't get up in the morning and think, right, I'm going to clean my teeth in a British way and <laughs> you know and, and look out the look out the window and survey beautiful Albion or whatever. You know, I don't, and and I'm, I'd be, I'd actually if someone said they did that, you'd have to pull. Yeah. You? I mean, you, you really, really would. Um, but there are some people who you know. You, see pictures of Nigel Farage's Union Jack brogues and you sort of think really um, okay uh, aren't there other things to be interested in or, or to motivate yourself but yeah I mean it is fascinating because I mean the Six Nations is always the you know uh, the thing that the thing that it, you know I tweet about the Six Nations and I kind of have a hierarchy of you know if, Eng- if England are playing someone I'll support England yeah. right? and that's because I'm from England I mean I, although I don't feel particularly English I feel much more I have an Irish family Scottish family an Austrian grandmother I kind of feel British if I feel anything yeah. don't feel like a like a, an English affiliation yeah. but that might be because my family are a bit posh and I mean I don't know I mean I don't know why I don't I just don't yeah. so 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 and then if Scotland so Scotland are then next so if Scotland are playing Wales I'm, I'm Scotland and you know if Scotland are playing Ireland I'm Scotland or whatever and then it's Ireland <laughs> <laughs> and then it's Wales, you know. But but that's about it. That's yeah. my sort of that's my engagement. That's the entire framework of nationalism. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. my engagement with those sort of national those national entities and ideas. Really, classically, nationalism is constructed to divide yeah. and to m- m- motivate along 
along division lines and also to, to create appeals to a higher authority in the same way that common, common sense is usually appeal to a higher authority. But the, but the one that's anti-intellectual and one that's um, uh, uh, not got a moral framework, particularly nationalism makes a, a, appeals to something sort of actually abstract. And how does, your, how does your act go down outside England? Well, well, in Scotland, isn't it? You know, I mean, started doing it. They just think you're, 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 you're just Englishman. Yeah, they yeah. get it. You know, well, they get they get what I'm driving at. I mean, the most interesting place places to, to play have always been Australia and you know New Zealand and all that, and even shows I've done in Paris and Brussels. They go, yeah, that's the. That's the British. They just think that it's, that it's not an act. That's just well. No, a, I think they know. They, I think they think it's. I think they think they get. They get the thing I'm portraying. I don't think they think it's real. <laughs> I hope not. Yeah. But 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 but, but the, I mean, the interesting thing is that that anyone would think it's real is funny. Yeah. Uh, in itself, I mean, that's the. When I get asked that, you know, aren't you worried that people think you know, agree with what he's saying? Well, everything he's saying is mental. Yeah. So, that's funny, isn't it? It's just another joke. Yeah. Is my view. It's a delay. Comics are supposed to be mischievous and cause confusion as much as anything else, rather than tell people what to think. And what do you think about political comedy generally at the moment? Like in America, there's been seems to have been this big research. I mean, particularly you know from what we see Saturday Night yeah. Live and that sort of yeah. thing. In a way that we don't have spitting image, we don't yeah. have a sort of. There's a real lack of confidence in, yeah. in doing it here. And um, and also um, a homogeneity of, ter- of tone. Comics are left leaning. They just, if we're going to generalise, they are. And you know, whether you think that's a good thing or a bad thing, whether you agree with that or not, that does mean that the whole thing ends up pointing in one direction. Open wide and tuck in to spoon it with Mark Wogan, the brand new visualised podcast where Mark takes you on a unique culinary journey, blindfolded. With a dollop of light-hearted chat, a spoonful of hilarious blindfolded food tasting, and a sprinkle of top-tier guests like Jimmy Carr, Claudia Winkleman, and Joe Wicks. In partnership with Gressingham Duck, download their free recipe booklet for tips to dine in with Duck. Check out delicious new episodes of Spooning with Mark Wogan every Thursday. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is brought to you by Luton Rising, owners of London Luton Airport, the UK's most socially impactful airport. Find out more at lutonrising.org.uk. Actually, yeah. Um, you know... Uh, and I often, I often, sometimes you see left-wing comments going, "No, that's not true. It's not true that that, that that there is a bias." But there is, and that's all right. 
but it's just the, it's the way things have turned yeah. out as much as anything else. Um, it, possibly uh, daft, to, daft to deny it. But one of the real problems is there's a real confusion about what about the, the about the word satire. Yeah, people don't know what don't know what they mean by it when they use it. And very often they think that they mean it means jokes about Theresa May's leather trousers. <laughs> and yeah. those are jokes about Theresa May's leather trousers. Yeah. Um, and they could be Kim Kardashian's leather trousers or... Yeah, it's it's just, a joke it's a of, in fact, they're jokes about trousers <laughs> <laughs> and what trousers are made of. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you, you kind of... Satire, you kind of hope, pokes around in... Why is this idea doing well? Why are these people succeeding? Rather than just going, oh, Boris has got daft hair. Unless that's the reason he's succeeding. And, yeah. In which case... Maybe you, you know. Maybe that's the thing you need to look into. And I think there's also, you know, if also if political comedy is meant to call truth to power, doing it to an audience of people who agree with you is possibly fool's errand. And which I'm as guilty of as anyone else. You know, uh, I, I, I I get that. But I do, although I do have people go, yay, yay Brexit in the show, and then they and then they. Pull the rug from under them. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, mainly. I mean, my main. I mean, my main objection to uh, my main feeling about Brexit is how can everyone be so certain about this? But that's my main view of all politics. I'm generally politically ag- agnostic. How is everyone so certain that this will definitely work this time? And all this silver bullet politics. Mm. There's one thing that will make everything better, um, which seems to be doing quite well at the moment. And um, I don't know how anyone can possibly go along with that. Well, we've just seen it in PMQs, exactly yeah. that, where Jeremy yeah. Corbyn on one side says it's absolutely terrible in schools. Theresa May says, no, it isn't. They're getting more money than they've ever had before. Yeah. And that is, that's yeah. just certainty on both yeah. sides. But you also know... I mean, the, I mean, the problem is... I mean, the problem is, is you know, this is a deep-seated part of our culture, isn't it? The yeah. fact that, that we... That our parliament is a court and it's innocent or guilty. Yeah. Uh, it, or... It, you know, and, 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 and that it's it's literally you, you pass a movement or a movement yeah. fa- motion or a motion fails. It's li- that's the problem, yeah. in a way, of oppositional politics. And we know behind the scenes it's much more consensual than that. Yeah. But in, in public it has to be displayed as yes and no and as tribal divisions. And, you know, as someone who... I like nuance. I, 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 I tend to agree with the last person I spoke to. <laughs> and I don't really dig the idea of being in a tribe. I find a lot of it kind of... Um, not incomprehensible, but but sort of this can't be effective. This can't be the way to do things well, and we know it isn't. And most most normal people know it isn't, and that's why yeah. they get turned off by it. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is why it's interesting that at the moment the you know the political debate is being is being run by their edges of the people who are very certain, and the rest of the countries. Probably, I mean, I don't know this, but you probably think in general people are sucking their teeth and wondering what's going to happen next. I mean, there was those the figures last week in the Times about how this. Remain voters are still spending, and there were, you know, six paragraphs of that, and then it got you read on further, and it goes, "This may be because they're doing their spending now because they're thinking they think something bad God knows what's around the corner." Yeah, yeah. And you sort of think, "Well, I would, I would have put that in the second paragraph <laughs> rather than rather than but the." If you eighth. do that, and then you're talking Britain down. That's well, the. I know, uh, but I've just, I mean, that is just how trite is that yeah. as, a, a, as a as an argument? I mean, come off it. And the thing is, is you do what you do wonder that. The, the people using that argument, if some it's the fan, what are they then going to say? Yeah. Well, they're going to blame Brussels and you know, you know, 
and Metropolitan out of touch so, liberal I mean, elites. How do you blame the people who, who, I mean, it's a fascinating idea that the people who voted against the thing are responsible for it. Yeah. It's really quite special. I think that's quite a, that's quite a, um, you know, that's uh, proper Alice in Wonderland holding, you know, two impossible thoughts before breakfast, isn't it? Now, just because um, <laughs> where we're doing the interviews, looking down on Portcullis House, but literally um, looking down, sitting in Tasmania, um, uh, SMP. I mean, so there's Clive yeah. Lewis. Look, they're all um, milling about. I mean, like, we've action Clive inadvertently yeah. um, sitting under an enormous portrait of Margaret Thatcher, <laughs> where political comedy was more boisterous in the eighties. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, it definitely was, and and um, and you know that's down to broadcasters having confidence in it. Well, I was going to say that's that's why it isn't because yeah. you know private eyes reporting sales are up and all that sort of. It's, yeah, well, you know they always. I mean, the thing with spitting image that they always used to say is it's really you know because I wrote on it very briefly when I first oh, came okay. to London sort of 25 years ago very very briefly wrote on it, it is they'd always go the show's so expensive to make and and, and they had this really funny audience research that said the audience don't really like the puppets you think <laughs> what? <laughs> what are you on about and uh, you know no longer than 30 seconds of sketch and, and all this sort of thing of course it didn't do as well as it did when it started out it did de- the viewing figures did decline but you know, that, that there isn't something like that. And broadcasters get cold feet and they get worried about what's happened to BBC is, is the Saxgate brand Ross thing. Yeah. A lot of it, unfortunately. And they, they, I mean, actually, you know, at some point someone will, someone will write a... That, that's def, there's definitely a thesis in that. You know, the, 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 thing that, the thing that did for political comedy was that incident. And that's the thing that completely, you know, the, everything that the BBC now has this ludicrous compliance where, and, and this insane idea that everything has to be even-handed in politics as well as in comedy yeah. you, know, you're like, you listen to the day programme you know if there's, a, there's an item about someone being run over by someone texting you don't have the pro driving while texting bloke on do you? Yeah you know. but in fact we've seen that you know, the reaction to the BBC's reporting of, of Brexit and 70 yeah. odd MPs accusing them of bias and it's you know it's this idea that it's so tribal that um Anyone putting the alternative voice is therefore, yeah. you know, upset. You know, yeah. And you're talking down. But, the, but the energy required for that is surely going to peter out. Um, you hope, or that, that people will get bored of that um, that angle. Yeah. That, that that angle only you know because you because you've got the canary lot doing it. You know, Laura Coonsberg asked a tricky question. She's obviously working for CCHQ. And then of course she asked Donald Trump a yeah. tricky question to his face, and the, they weren't calling for it to be sacked then no. because they're idiots. <laughs> but given, given that that is the political environment they're operating yeah. in, it's no wonder they don't commission a, a oh, yeah, six-part series sending up Brexiteers. Ab- absolutely. And, and, and you, you look at, um, I mean, you know, the nightly show that's in its run yeah. at the moment on ITV, which promised satire yeah. when it started. And, uh, well, great, OK, where is it? Um, well, I don't know, I'm not sure anybody's watching it still, are they? Well... <laughs> That's, that's a separate. That is an entirely separate. But point. no, but isn't it? No, you're absolutely right. And and you and, and the thing is, is there's. I mean, of course, America benefits from the fact that, you know, all, all the all the slices of the markets are, are bigger because they've got a bigger population. So you know, you could you can have a show that's washed by three percent of the population, and then it's huge. You know, it's a huge amount of people. Whereas here, calls things into question. And you know, you need writers, and you need commitment. You you know, and Matt, I mean, Matt Ford's the only person doing anything vaguely resembling it and I, th- I mean I actually think he's brilliant I think Matt's brilliant because he, he what he's not doing is jokes about trousers he's 
he's obsessed with politics he used to yeah. work in it the, the long form thing he does at, the, at St James Theatre is quite brilliant and he, he, he you know the, the, he'll text me during PMQs going oh you know did you see this did you see that and we you know I mean he's the most engaged you've got to, you've got to be engaged with politics you've, not, you've got to just treat it as a subject if you're going to yeah. send it up sorry I do talk too much <laughs> oh, Albert, thank you very much <laughs> it's a pleasure to make sure you don't miss the next episodes of the Red Box series on politics and comedy, subscribe via iTunes or on your Android device. But for now, for me, Matt Chorley, it's goodbye. Thank you for downloading. To discover more, head to thetimes.co.uk. Open wide and tuck in to Spooning with Mark Wogan, the brand new visualized podcast where Mark takes you on a unique culinary journey, blindfolded. With a dollop of lighthearted chat, a spoonful of hilarious blindfolded food tasting, and a sprinkle of top tier guests like Jimmy Carr, Claudia Winkleman, and Joe Wicks. In partnership with Gressingham Duck, download their free recipe booklet for tips to dine in with Duck. Check out delicious new episodes of Spooning with Mark Wogan every Thursday.